Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and a belated happy Thanksgiving. Now, I said it on Wednesday, and I'm just reminding you, I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I always think of Christmas and Thanksgiving, and I mean, spring break's a whole week as it is, but I always think of Thanksgiving as more than just Thursday. But hopefully you guys had a chance to, at least on Thursday, sit down with family, get some time away from whatever occupation that you are involved in and took some time with family, with your faith, with some, had some fun, had some great food. I did. I had to cook for myself because my family's out of town. That was kind of hard. That was hard. I appreciate my wife even more so yesterday. I'm like, man, I got to cook all this myself. I might as well just have gone to Popeye's had chicken sandwich. Although Popeye's wasn't open. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, uh, yeah, it was a good Thanksgiving, and hopefully you guys uh, had one as well. The Texans take on the New England Patriots on Sunday evening. First time at NRG Stadium since another Sunday night back in 2015. The Texans have played the Patriots every year, 15, twice in 16, 17, 18. Will happen again in 19. The consistent theme in those games, Patriot wins. And what I remember most about 2015, and this sort of sort of uh, resonated in 2017, because I, and Mark and I will talk about this later in the show. I'm going to get his thoughts on this. But I really thought in 2017, when Kaimi Fairbairn had kicked the field goal to put us up five, I thought, okay, this is it. We're finally going to do it. We're going to beat these guys. We're going to beat them up at Gillette. It's going to happen. And then it didn't. Brady found Brandy Cooks for the touchdown. They went 36-33. Like, oh. They have found all levels of way to beat you. But in 2015, I remember the Texans offensively, they were offensively challenged in 2015. Won a division, but it's based on a defense that was fantastic, and the offense would be opportunistic and score when they had opportunities to score, maybe off a turnover, et cetera. It was not a great Texans offense. And I just remember the, the Patriots defense being out of the field in 2015 and just looking out there, and they're thinking, this is kind of easy. I could, I could see the look on her face. In fact, at one point, I could see them kind of chuckling about something that was going on, and I guess for good reason, because that night they controlled it. Now, four years later, I don't know that they'll be out there feeling that way with the offense that Texans are about to throw at them, but I just remember that moment. They were so confident. They just knew on the field, and we got this. They were so under control. They were just kind of like, yeah, these guys, they're not, they're not tonight. It is not happening tonight. There's no question about it. But on Sunday night, could it be the first time in 10 years? Man, I hope so. You know what that's going to feel like when the Texans finally get a win over the Patriots, whether it's at Gillette Stadium, whether it's, I don't know, they won't play at a neutral site. Maybe they could play in London someday. I don't know. Or it happens at Energy Stadium on, on Sunday night. I just want it to happen. I was here for that 2009 game. I saw it happen. I know the Texans can beat the Patriots. It has happened one time, but it has happened, and hopefully Sunday night turns into attempt number two. Now, on the show this evening, we got plenty for you. Max Sharping is our Deep Slant one-on-one interview of the week sponsored by Xfinity, so he's going to stop by. I'm going to give you my keys to the game. It's brought to you by FCCU, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. Mark's going to stop by. I'm going to get his thoughts. I know he cannot stand the New England Patriots. It's always fun to talk to him 
heading into a game against the Patriots. It's almost cathartic for him to kind of just let it all out. So we'll do that. I will make my predictions for all games this weekend, 12 games plus the Texans-Patriots. That makes 13, but I never picked that one. So 12 games I got to predict straight up and against the spread, so I will do that. And then in our final segment, it is our players segment. I turn it over to your Houston Texans. This week, I turn it over to Taiwan Jones, who does a Drew's Dirty Dozen. I turn it over to Brandon, Brent Scarlett for B-Scar TV, a.k.a. Player Reporters, brought to you by Arctic, the official cooler and tumbler of the Houston Texans. And, and Drew's final word this week is with tight end Jordan Aikens. So we have got all of that to do tonight. Let's kick it off with our Hot Reads. Hot Reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car and or motorcycle insurance. And each and every Friday before a Sunday game, we get a chance to visit with head coach Bill O'Brien, who faces his former squad on Sunday night for the sixth time. Coach, since you've come into the building here in 2014, you are top five in third down defense. And i got to yeah. think third down defense is going to be huge in this game against the New England Patriots. Got to get off the field. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have to do a good job of stopping the run, and then it's going to come down to third down. I mean, they, you know, historically they've done a good job. The Patriots have done a good job third down offensively. But, you know, like you just said, we're, we're good on third down. We have different schemes, different things that we do. We've got to be ready for tempo. We've got to be ready to get lined up and really match what they're doing. I think the big key is to try to get them in some third and longer situations. That's that's the big key. When you study their running game, it seems so diversified with the different backs they have. Can you speak to that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, James White, uh, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, uh, everybody's a little bit different back there. They do a lot of different things. They'll run it out of eleven personnel with uh, James. They'll they'll you know run it downhill with Sony and Rex. Uh, they'll use different fullbacks. They've used the Landon Roberts at fullbacks, University of Houston guy. Uh, they've used Brandon Bolden at fullback. They've used tight ends at fullback. So they're they're really diverse, and we've got to be really on top of who's in the game. I think that's a great point you're making relative to the backfield situation. How much of this prep has been based on what they've done recently in games and what they've done against the Houston Texans before. Yeah, I think it's more about this year. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think that uh, every year they change. They're a lot different than they've been in years past. Uh, their offense, I mean, and uh, I, th- I think that uh, everything is about this year. You know what they've done this year. We've gone back and looked at certain things. No, no question about it. But uh, but I think a lot of it is about what what they've done this year. All right, their defense very good. Obviously, what does Jamie Collins mean to them? He's got all the sacks and everything. But it's a community effort with them. Yeah, they play great team defense. That's exactly right. But Jamie, Jamie is uh, you know he's a great athlete. Uh, he's got good size, good movement skills. He can bend, he can blitz, he can cover. He's very instinctive. Uh, high towers the same way. S- different types of players, but you know, have some of the same qualities when it comes to instincts. They've been playing in that defense for a long time. Even though um, you know Jamie went to Cleveland for a little bit, he's been in the defense before, and so they've got a lot of guys in the secondary. The McCordys, uh, you know, Stephon Gilmore that have played a lot of football together. Patrick Chung has been there forever. Um, so, you know, very good defense. Uh, I think we've had a good week of practice, and uh, I think our guys are up to the challenge. You're top two in the league in, in big plays on offense, yep. yet you're very balanced. You like to run the football. So how difficult is it to balance that? Yeah, I think I think that um, we, we have to be able to run the ball. I think that they're, they're going to be very disciplined in coverage. I'm not saying that we can't get anything down the field, but we, we've got to be able to run the football. We've got to be able to do a good job up front with our with our blocking schemes and uh, we've got good backs Carlos and Duke that are running hard and uh, yeah, I think running game is going to be a big part of the game what about that chess match on special teams 
Yeah, it's it's very good. I mean, they've got uh, professional special teams players. We've got professional special teams players. So, you know, I think uh, you know our specialists have to play well. You know, they uh, their their punter, the guy they drafted in the fifth round, Bailey is punting very well. So, you know, we have to when we have to punt. You know, Brian's got to do a good job for us. And then, you know, just overall, our coverage players have done a great job all year. They need to come up big on on uh, Sunday night. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thanks, Vandy. Good stuff there from Coach Bill O'Brien. And now it's time for our next hot read. That is the all-important injury report. Now, I tell you this because I'm about to give you uh, maybe some bad news. This year when I have seen a player doubtful on the injury report, that 100% of the time has that player has been out. I have not seen anyone doubtful on the injury report and then become and then play. I don't think the Texans have put anybody on the doubtful, so could be different, but this week they did. And that, unfortunately, is Titus Howard dealing with that knee issue. He is doubtful for this one against the New England Patriots. Carlos Watkins dealing with that hamstring that he injured against the Indianapolis Colts. He is out. So, Carlos Watkins out. Titus Howard dealing with that knee. Doubtful. Questionable. Brennan Scarlett, Garyon Conley, Angelo Blackson. Now there are a few names that I didn't mention in there. Names like Bradley Roby. He's in. Justin Reed. In. Lonnie Johnson. In. Will Forlith Fifth. In. Mike Adams. In. Those guys were all full participants at practice. They are all in. Again, questionable for your Texans. Angelo Blackson, Garyon Conley, Brennan Scarlett, Titus Howard, doubtful. Carlos Watkins, out. So, if Titus unable to go, that would mean either Chris Clark, Rod Johnson would step over to that right tackle position if Titus is fully and completely out. We'll learn more, obviously, 90 minutes before kickoff. But hate seeing that because Titus has had a really, really good rookie year, and he is a big time player and going to be for this team for a long time for the Patriots (laughs) let me just tell you this right away Tom Brady the old elbow he's a full participant he said in his press conference today that he feels really good that he truly honestly feels good I'm happy for him he feels good out for the Patriots tight end Ryan Izzo Questionable for the Patriots. Here we go. Kyle Van Oy, Juwan Bentley, Marcus Cannon, Patrick Chung, Jamie Collins, Byron Cowart, Philip Dorsett, Nate Ebner, Julian Edelman, Jermaine Illuminor, Stephon Gilmore, Dante Hightower, Jason McCourty, Mohamed Sanu, Matthew Slater, Joan Williams, Isaiah Wynn. Uh, what? I mean, the... I think I counted 16 players. <laughs> Limited participants in practice today and questionable. Now, of those, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight have been dealing with the illness. Now, Izzo and Van Oy did not practice on Friday. Izzo is out. Van Oy is questionable. Van Oy did practice. He does not show up on the injury report until today. He was one of my favorite players coming out of college, and I hate seeing him with the Patriots because he fits that place hand in glove with his skills, the number of different things that he can do at the linebacker position. 
So Vanoy questionable, did not participate today. It's the first time that he showed up on the injury report this week dealing with that illness. Now, if you haven't been following along, the Patriots have had apparently the flu going through the building up there in Gillette, and Marcus Cannon dealt with it last week, and they didn't know whether they were going to have him before the game. He did not warm up. He did go out in that driving rainstorm they had, and he played. And Bill Belichick talked about it afterwards and gave him all kinds of kudos for finding a way to get through that game because they did not think he was going to play. He is still listed as questionable. Now, every other injury, I mean, they don't really have any other major injuries, I suppose. It is pretty much illness. You got a, a hamstring with Slater, an ankle with Sanu, a groin with McCourty, Jason McCourty. Concussion with Dorsett, but it sounds like he, being a limited participant, participant in practice today, um, would imagine he'll be ready to go. So, main things, Brady ready to go, flu essentially running through that place, and the entire Patriots roster is questionable <laughs> heading into this game. And I'm sure that doesn't shock anybody. I don't know that I've ever seen an injury report like that. I mean, Mark texted it to me a couple hours ago and was just like, huh? And then he texted and said, LOL. I mean, it seems like in some cases a very Belichickian thing to do, but with that many people sick, I mean, if you take those, those guys that have been ill out of there, it looks like a normal report. It looks like a normal report. So I don't think there's anything nefarious. The big news to come out of that is that Kyle Van Oy, one of the key linebackers for the Patriots, did not practice today, so he is questionable. Ryan Izzo, the tight end, not a huge loss, but he is out. Tom Brady's ready to go. Before your Texans, the big news, Titus Howard is doubtful while Carlos Watkins is out. The good news is Adams, Johnson, Reed, and Roby all out of last week's game against Indianapolis, all in, in addition to Will Fuller, and those guys were all full participants at practice today. All right, those are your hot reads presented to you by Geico. It's time to go with our Deep Slant interview of the week, a one-on-one with DP Sitter this week. It is rookie guard Max Sharping. That's for you next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, former math teacher. I also taught physics, too, but this pertains to my math teachers out there. You want to bring a little Texans football to your classroom? Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills, a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Now, it's time for our Deep Slant one-on-one interview of the week presented by Xfinity. And this week, it's the rookie from Green Bay, Wisconsin. One of my favorite players to talk to on this team. And he doesn't say a whole lot in the media. Obviously, he's a rookie. He kind of knows his place. But Max Sharping has done a really nice job for this football team playing left guard in between Nick Martin and Laramie Tunsil. And he's phenomenal. I would love to get to know more about Max. I think he's a very intriguing guy. Smart. Smarter than, I think, anybody in this building. He is brilliant. Knows this offense inside and out. Probably had that down within two weeks of being here as a rookie. And DP caught up with Max earlier this week. It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity joining us this week. You're starting left guard Max Sharping. And I had all these questions, but I just heard you say over the bye week you went deer hunting up in Wisconsin. I thought, we have to start there. <laughs> so how was the bye week for you? Was it cold? And how long have you been doing this? Yeah, so I have been hunting for 
forever, really. Uh, my, my family is a big, uh, big hunting group. I have a, an eight-pointer uh, mounted in my room even, so I've been doing it for a long time. And uh, just happened to line up with opening weekend in Wisconsin, so I got to go see my family and kind of surprise some of my uncles, so it was cool. I met some of your family when we were up in Wisconsin for the Green Bay, Bay uh, Joint Training Camp and the practices. Does everybody go, like mom, dad, everybody, or is it more just like... Dad and uncles. Uh, so my sister does go. She does. Yeah, like and she was the first female from the family to do so, actually. But we have a couple more cousins now that, that came up this year. But for the most part, it's mostly uncles, uh, cousins, male cousins, stuff like that. Okay. But it's it's a good time. Is it just deer or anything else? Uh, just deer when we go up, yeah. Okay. Have you done any hunting in Texas? Are you plan on I plan on I plan on going. I I was invited and it didn't work out one time with Colin Gillespie. Um, oh, great guy to go. Yeah, hunting exactly. In Texas. Uh -huh. So so uh, we'll we'll figure it out. I'll I'll definitely be there. All right. Let's talk about your rookie season. How's it going for you so far? I mean, is it about what you expected? Adjusting to life in the NFL. What's been the trickiest part? What's surprised you about it? I think it's been uh, fairly good so far. Obviously, never as uh, never as good as as, uh, as I think it can be in my own mind. Um, but you know, playing next to Nick and uh, LT kind of helps you out a lot. You know, those guys are great. Uh, and then having Zach and Mance, uh, you know, kind of help me out with uh, who they've played before, certain moves that guys have, just what to expect from certain defenses. Uh, they've all been a great help. For you, you played tackle at Northern Illinois, correct? And then you come in here and you sort of did a little bit of everything during the offseason and training camp. Was the adjustment to guard a little bit easier than playing tackle in the NFL? Or, or I mean, what was that like for you to play a different position on the offensive line? Yeah, so I actually did play guard for one year in college, but that you was did? a long time ago. Okay. Uh, so it, it was a little bit of a transition, but like you said, I, I played a lot of guard during, during OTAs, during training camp, so... It kind of that definitely helped out getting used to playing next to those guys, and then, like I said, when you're when you're playing next to a couple uh, pretty good players like Nick and LT, it, it helps you out a lot. Yeah, you're in between those two. How yeah. much did it help? I mean, LT was not here the entire off season, and then he showed up prior to the start of the season. How much has he helped you in your growth? Obviously, he wasn't a rookie too long ago, but he's got quite a bit of experience under his belt. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best left tackles in the league. I think anybody can see that just based on on his film so anytime you have a guy like that out there it just kind of helps build your trust uh, you know you got good guys next to you and as long as uh, you don't screw up too bad they're gonna make you look good you guys all are very calm I mean maybe this is just me interpreting it but it seems like you guys are very have very calm collected poised manner about you is that the case for the five of you across the line or is there some a different side of you that we don't see uh, when you guys are not out there? Well, I think uh, Mance is the craziest one, I think. You can see that in his pre-game speeches. Yes, uh, yes, yes. But, no, I think for the most part we try to take it as it comes, uh, kind of discuss what happens, and just uh, try not to let too much affect you. Um, you know, because as offensive linemen, you have to kind of be ready for anything uh, during a game. You know, you're not going to win every single matchup. There's, there's good guys across the ball from you, so... As long as you can keep your cool, don't let one play affect the next, then you'll be okay. Yeah, and, and you were here during the offseason, so you obviously heard all the chatter about the, the offensive line and the O-line and how much it needed to improve to keep Deshaun Watson upright. And it seems like just through this first part of the season, you guys had a couple games with a clean pocket for him, no sacks, a few games with just one sack. And I believe you're 4-0 and in games where you've allowed two sacks or fewer. So 
what has been the turning point or what was really the difference in, in getting that chemistry across the, the, the line for all of you? Well, I think that's just it. You just got to play together a little bit more, learn how everybody communicates. And once you build that chemistry, it kind of makes everything a little bit easier because you know what one guy's thinking. Uh, the communication becomes easier uh, between different guys if you've played next to them for a little bit longer. So just, just getting reps with each other. If they, I've heard offensive linemen say that when they've played to a guy for a long time, they don't even really need to speak. They, just a look or a grunt or whatever can just communicate it. Do you feel like you're getting to that level or you're quickly approaching it, or are you already there, do you think? I think, uh, you know, obviously you always have to keep working on it. Um, but I think we're, 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 we're working there. Uh, hopefully we'll be there pretty soon. All right, what about the guy behind you, Deshaun Watson, the one that you're protecting for? What's it like being with him in the huddle and, and, and pass protecting for him? I mean, he's amazing. I think everybody can see that. You, the play is never over with him. Uh, and you just you just want to keep him upright, like you said, because he makes special things happen. Uh, so I think, personally, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and we take that to heart on the offensive line. We want to keep him upright, make sure he's healthy, and can get the ball to our other playmakers. Is there any – I mean, he's made so many spectacular plays on the field, but has there been any one particular play that's really stood out to you? Are you able to sort of see what he's doing when he's – doing all these magical magician-like moves on the field? Is uh, I think really the, one, the one that really stands out is that, that Raiders game one because I was kind of right in front of him when it was going on. Like he rolled out uh, to his right there, and I was kind of like looking at him like this, and I just see him like adjust his face mask and then throw it to Fells. It was amazing. Yeah, he's had quite – is that the one where he – Fumbled, picked up the first down, and ran it. Or that was early. Oh, that was a different one. That yeah, different that game. was. I didn't see that one, and I heard about it afterwards. I was like, "Wait, <laughs> he did what?" Yeah, I asked Bill O'Brien about it. He said, "Yeah, that's exactly how we drew it up. Oh, of that's course, exactly how we practice it. Of course." Uh, what about your O-line dinners, um, you guys? I've, you guys are well known for your big dinners <laughs> and eating, eating out. What has that been like for you? Who eats the most? I've, I've gotten a couple of answers. I want to see if uh, um, consistent with it. Who eats the most? Uh, I would say. I think uh, Titus goes crazy on the appetizers. Oh, for sure. Okay, he's he's the appetizer king. Okay, but I think overall might be Rick Leonard. Oh, interesting. I've heard Titus's name as well as being quite the eater. I mean, he did put on a hundred pounds in college, so yeah. he's got some good practice for sure. For uh, sure, going for him. How about playing at Northern Illinois? I mean, how much did that prepare you for sort of the the scheme that you're in? here with the Texans because you, you did a lot of RPO stuff there, did you not? Yeah, we, we used the quarterback um, a lot, you know, with zone reads and um, stuff like that. So I, I guess I'm pretty used to a mobile quarterback, and that helps knowing, you know, the play's never over, like I said, with Deshaun. Oh. So I think that, that helped for sure. But uh, when you have guys like this around you, everything's a little bit uh, different uh, once you make the jump to this level. Yeah, and Bill O'Brien, I remember early on, I mean, he does not like to – have a lot of praise for rookies, rookies are rookies, but it seemed like he early on sort of recognized what you brought to the table, and he talked a lot about your intelligence and your work ethic and the routine that you had and how you came in every single day, and that your preparation really helped get you up to speed faster. Where did where does that work ethic come from for you? I have think, you always been like that? Yeah, just, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I think probably from my parents, they probably instilled it in me, and I think I have an older sister, so I was always competing with her, trying to be better than she was at whatever she was doing. So I think that kind of helped a little competitive streak. Um, but, yeah, I think it was just, you know, I, I don't want to 
let anybody down and so I just try to get in do my work and do it to the best of my ability all right I asked uh, offensive coordinator Tim Kelly about this his brother scored a touchdown for the Titans he's an offensive lineman and it seems like this is a little bit of a trend even in the AFC South Quentin Nelson did it a few weeks ago for the Colts as offensive linemen, have you guys been rallying a little bit for a touchdown catch of your own? <laughs> I think it's always in the back of our minds. No, uh, not really. A celebration? I think, yeah, prepared, definitely a celebration case. just in case. Uh, no, but I think, I mean, with the guys we have around us, I think we just want to score as many points as possible. And to be honest, they're a lot better at it than uh, I would be. So we can we can save save the celebrations and everything for them. Well, I'm rooting for you guys anyway because I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch. All right, best of luck for the rest of the season, Max. Thanks Thank so you much. very much. That guy's going to be around this building for a very long time, and that's a good thing. That is a tremendous thing. I think he does tremendous work on the offensive line. I think he's going to be great in the community. And we were talking a little bit before the that interview started, as I was in studio here before DB started the interview, and we were talking about you know Green Bay and having snow. And my parents live about 45 minutes north of Green Bay. And he said he went back and – had a chance to spend some time with the family, which I think that's got to be pretty cool because you don't get a chance to do that in college. In the NFL, you got a little more money in your pocket. You got a free weekend. You know, you get back home to see the folks. I think that's pretty cool. And my uncle was a counselor in the Green Bay school system in which Max was in, so we kind of touched base on that. So great guy, great player, going to be here for a very, very long time and glad that he is here. All right, we get back. We've got to dive into the keys to this win over the New England Patriots. What's it going to take? Our first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game next on Texans All Access. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter. Glad to be back with you after Thanksgiving yesterday. Plenty of things going on in the world of football. That Lions-Bears game was really entertaining. Really entertaining. David Blau, who played quarterback for the Detroit Lions, getting his first start. I thought that was really fun to watch he had a great ball game I thought there's a little period of of I guess inactivity I guess if you will maybe not as successful but beginning and end of that game I thought David Blau was great they, the Lions should have won that game JD McKissick tried to turn a run on third and one into bouncing it into a touchdown instead of just picking up the third and one first down they would have scored a touchdown that would have been the difference in that game but the Lions lose Bears win Bills put it on the Cowboys. Put it on them. That was it's kind of fun to watch, I'll be honest with you. That Buffalo team is pretty good. Now, I got to thinking about that. We can help out Buffalo, and Buffalo can help us. We knock off the Patriots. That helps Buffalo. Then Buffalo can beat New England in July. Okay, now that's stretching a little bit. Not many. How many AFC teams have beaten New England in in New England. The last team that I can remember doing it, how about this? 2016, Buffalo did it the week after we went up on a Thursday night and lost. Jacoby Brissett got another start, and Buffalo beat them in week four. Now, that Buffalo team in 2017 ended up, go, uh, sorry, 2016, didn't do a whole lot. The next year they went to the playoffs under Sean McDermott, but there's not many AFC, team, AFC East teams that win. That Buffalo team might be constructed as such, to go do that. And how would that be? If we knock off the Patriots, then the Bills knock off the Patriots. Maybe the Bills can take over that AFC East. Okay, now I'm dreaming a little bit. But 
Got to let these things play out, but it could be kind of interesting. Could be very interesting, but the Bills put it on the Cowboys in Dallas. It's amazing. Didn't really pay too much attention to the Saints-Falcons other than the fact that the Saints sacked Matt Ryan nearly every time he went back to throw. I was busy watching Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Egg Bowl was crazy. And you talk about peeing one away, Ole Miss did that. Pun intended. Wild weekend of football already. And Sunday night, it gets cranked up to a whole different level. So it's time to dive into our first week credit union, first glance keys to the game, FCCU, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. Now, each and every week, I give you five keys. Five. But I'm going to give five for each side of the ball, so that's ten. I'm going to give you an extra one tonight. This is my gift to you, my Thanksgiving gift. I give thanks for you guys for listening and paying attention and reading my stuff and watching my vids and all that kind of stuff. I got a little special one for you. Oh, special, special teams. This one's pretty simple. The New England Patriots prey on your special teams' mistakes. They prey on them. Not P-R-A-Y, like pray to the good Lord above or to whatever deity you pray to. I'm talking P-R-E-Y, like you are prey to them in special teams. You cannot make the stupid mistakes. Your blocking has to be on point. Your punts have to have hang time because you've got to be able to protect to get the ball off, and then you've got to get down there to cover. You cannot allow a mistake in a kicking game to kill you. And I just think back to the years that we have been at Gillette, and I think of the Thursday night game in 2016, and they kicked off, and Charles James ran it back and fumbled, and then Tyler Irvin ran it back and fumbled. I mean, that was really the only way they were going to beat us 27 to nothing. We gave them two touchdowns because he fumbled on kickoffs. Punts that they pin inside the five. Last week against Dallas, a blocked punt. Special teams. You don't have to be extraordinary. You just can't be stupid. You, can't, you just can't be undisciplined. Don't let a blocked punt. Don't let illegal formation. Don't let a ball leak into the end zone when you can down inside the five. Minding your business on special teams is absolutely paramount, and it's just doing the disciplined things. That's your gift. That's special teams. Now, let's get to the Texans. Uh, Where do we want to start? Let's start with the Texans' defense facing the Patriots' offense. Now, you know the particulars. Tom Brady throws the ball to Julian Edelman. He throws the ball to the backfield to James White. He hands it to Rex Burkhead and Sonny Michel. There is no Gronk. There's no Brandon Cooks. There is no Danny Amendola. There's no Chris Hogan. Those are guys that have all killed the Texans over the last four meetings since 2015. So I guess I'll make five meetings going back to 15. Gronk killed them in 15. Gronk killed them in 17. He hurt them last year. Hogan killed them in 16. Killed them in 17. Last year, wasn't really anybody that killed them. The backs did. James White was enormously huge in that game. So let's get to it. Key number one. With the Patriots offense, you best beware that the screens are coming. When you start to show, here comes blitz, here comes pressure, they're going to go to the screens. They want the ball in the hands of James White. They want the ball in the hands of Rex Burkhead and Sonny Michelle out in space with blockers in front. And the one way to slow down the pass rush pressure is with screens. They are coming. Beware. Mind your keys, especially with running backs out of the backfield. Number two. When the Patriots' offense struggles, you can guarantee 
that ball is going to Julian Edelman. I promise you, that ball will go to Julian Edelman, and it's going there now. Every struggle. Do not allow him to be on his own. Ooh, you might hear that in a little bit. Key number three. Patriots offensive line struggled a bunch, especially against the Eagles, with some twists up inside. Ted Karras at center missed a couple of twists, and guys were able to get right in Brady's face. And the Texans have had most of their defensive success getting up in Brady's face, up inside. I think in that playoff game, Clowney up the middle. 2017, they were uh, Whitney in the middle. 2015, Whitney coming in the middle with spin moves. Clowney up the middle. They had a lot of their success coming up in the middle. And if they're not picking up those twists, keep twisting. Twist and shout all night long. Number four, expect the unexpected. Against the Eagles, double pass, Edelman to Dorsett, touchdown. They've come up with those. I don't know that – I'm trying to think if they've pulled one against the Texans at some point. But when they feel squeezed, when they feel like things are going badly, they need something. They've always got that. They've got the double pass. They've got the flea flicker, flip back to Brady, throw it down the field. This is an ultra, ultra disciplined day needed. This is one of those where you can't get caught. Okay, well, I've got to make this play. You've got to read keys, and you've got to be sound every single day because they will run that double pass on you. They will run a reverse on you. I want to say they ran a reverse of Cordell Patterson in 17 or 18. They will go to the trick play. They're not scared. Josh McDaniels will pull that out. He's the offensive coordinator for the Patriots. Flea flickers, running back, toss back, double pass. I mean, they'll run anything they've had success with. And really, lately, they've had success with Julian Edelman throwing that double pass. And key number five, and this kind of goes with key number two. Key number two was Edelman's getting the ball in a tough situation. Guaranteed. Key number five, don't let Edelman live on his own. The Patriots always... Always double DeAndre Hopkins. First down, second down, third down, doesn't matter. Any situation where the throw is imminent, a throw is imminent, they will double him. Now, the double looks different in different schemes and sets and things, and depending on where DeAndre lines up, they're going to double him. Take a page out of that book when it comes to Julian Edelman. You know Edelman will be inside. You can bracket him on the inside. Do not allow that joker to just get loose because it's one guy covering him. Spin the dial. Maybe have it one guy one time, a different guy, two different guys. Maybe it's this time, you know, he gets pinballed by a linebacker and an inside corner. You know, maybe it's a safety with help from a corner. I don't know, a corner with help from a safety. I don't know. But whatever you do, do not allow Julian Edelman to live on his own. This does not need to be Julian Edelman Island. That cannot happen. Do all that. You got an opportunity to stop the Patriots at least enough to a point where you can get your offense on the field. So let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball. Key number one, the Texans struggled against the Baltimore Ravens when it came to the physicality of the Ravens' uh, defensive backs. The Ravens' defensive backs mauled the Texans, and they're going to. Now, there were times where DeAndre Hopkins got free, and he made catches, and he made first downs. That's got to be something the Texans are able to do. These wide receivers are going to have to get physical, especially with Stephon Gilmore. 
Gilmore loves to play catch technique. Essentially, what he does instead of kind of running with guys is he lets them get seven, eight, nine yards downfield, and then he sort of catches them, not to the point where he grabs or holds blatantly, but he just sort of catches them, and then he's able to run with them. It should be a flag. They won't call it. But the Texans are going to have to be ultra, ultra physical at the top of their routes and catching the football. Especially when you face a guy like Stephon Gilmore. Number two, the timing on throws is hugely important because of the way that these guys cover. These guys cover as well as any group the Texans are going to face this year. They are in the hip pocket. They read routes. They study film as well as anybody. They anticipate routes, so they are in the hip pocket. It doesn't mean that Sean can't throw it, but it just means that the timing of throws has got to be on point. That separation may be there right at the break or right at a certain moment, and the ball's got to be delivered. The receiver's got to be ready. There may not be much separation gained at all in routes. But when there is, the ball's got to be delivered on time and the receivers have got to be ready. They've got to make catches and they've got to go. Key number three. First and second down production is imperative. I know that sounds obvious, but let me explain. If you get to third down and long against these guys, they will dictate to you what they want to do based on their personnel. They would like to, on third and long, put in Jamie Collins at one rush outside backer, John Simon or Dante Hightower at the other rush backer. Then they want to put Adam Butler in the middle, and they want to have Kyle Van Oy on the field. They will put four linebackers along with Adam Butler, who is their lightest interior defensive lineman, and they're going to peel their ears back and go. And they're going to go rush the quarterback. That's what they want to do. When, you, when they get in third and long, they'll play six DBs. They'll double team Hopkins. They'll probably double team Fuller when they got six DBs out on the field, force you to go somewhere else, and they'll rush those four guys up front with one linebacker remaining to kind of take any other traffic or uh, take a running back out of the backfield. But that's how they live once you get to third and eight, third and nine. Now, when you get to third and three, third and four, against the Eagles, they had a decision to make, and they went with that group. That's a lineup and a personnel grouping that you can pound the rock against. If you don't, but you still pick up a first down throwing the football, get right up and get an up tempo and then run the rock. Because Butler, like I said, is the lightest defensive lineman. They'll have four linebackers on the field. They do not have the size to be able to take a pounding once you get that first down. But if you live in third, eight, third, nine, third, and ten, they're going to dictate to you with that group. That's the group you would like to see when you're third and five or less because you can run against that. So you've got to have production on first and second down to get into third and short, third and medium. But you're living third and eight plus, they're dictating to you. You don't want it to be that way. Number four, and this kind of goes with number three in some sense. The Patriots do a heck of a job working their twists up front, even with that group. I've seen Dante Hightower, I can't tell you how many times, start outside and then take a beeline for the guard. So the guard will be engaged on a Patriots defensive lineman or linebacker, and Hightower just runs right in and whack. He just nails that guard. 
that frees up the other Patriot to then loop and go get the quarterback. There have been times where Hightower has come in and hammered that guard. The guard loses contact, but the tackle then picks up the looping defensive lineman. But now Hightower's free to go to the quarterback. Those twist stunts that they work, especially with Hightower, honestly, they're magical. They're really kind of fun to watch, and they scheme it up really, really well. So the offensive line has got to be able to pick up those stunts and work together two on two and keep those stunts from really having an impact. And when Hightower takes a dead bead on the guard on the inside when he's outside to try and pick that guard off, the guards have got to be able to turn, get shoulders there, pass off that inside rusher to the tackle, and tackle that twist, no pun intended, to be able to give Deshaun time to throw the football. That's key number four. Key number five, you can live with physical mistakes by challenging them. If you're challenging them, you're throwing the ball down the field, and you're attacking, I can live with the the physical mistakes. You can live with it. But you have to eliminate the mental mistakes. You cannot give things to them. You can't give them a cheap five yards because you didn't get lined up right. You can't give them a cheap five yards because you false started. Do not give things to the Patriots. They take things and then utilize that against you. Don't give it to them. Now, if you go up, try to make a catch, and you drop in, they, they're contesting it, things are going to happen. Physical mistakes are going to happen. But the mental mistakes cannot. The five-yard penalties, delay of games, coming out of timeout, making sure that you're lined up properly, all the things that can, you know, that can be eliminated from a mental standpoint have to be eliminated. They must be. The Patriots thrive on that. They're like the gremlins when you put water on them. It's like, oh, the gr-. this is, I mean, you false start, give them five yards and turn it into first and 15. The Patriots salivate. They multiply. They have good depth defensively. They throw everybody out on the field. Everybody gets out on that field. They've all got varied skill sets. You're going to see groupings of players out there that you're like, wow, they've got five linebackers and no defensive linemen. And they're doing that because they got to slow down to Sean Watson. Be ready for the unexpected. Sort of like their offense. Be ready for a trick play. Defensively, they're going to see personnel groups that maybe you haven't seen before. Don't panic. Don't give them anything. If you do that, you got an opportunity to go win this football game. All right, those are your first community credit union first glance. Keys to the game. FCCU, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. When we get back, let's talk to the voice of the Texans and get his thoughts on this one against New England with Mark Vandermeer next. We got one hour in the books right here on a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, joined now by my good friend, as he is each and every Friday, my boss, my partner on Sundays, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, first of all, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, John. I hope it was good. It Second was so of all, good. how are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, look, this is a huge game again, another one. We talked about this three-game stretch. Baltimore did not go according to plan. We know what happened against the Colts, a real gutty victory that feels like so long ago right now. It just feels like eons. I'm watching Thanksgiving <laughs> Day football and thinking, when did the Texans play again? Because it feels like it's been, oh, yeah, it was a week ago yeah. as of Thanksgiving. And here we are leading into this one. And 
it's a weird week for us because you have that Thanksgiving Day off sort of. We had some content, right. but it right. really was an off day for us, a rare one. And now I'm thinking, what day is it? What week is it? Yeah, but lost. you got the Patriots here and you got the NBC crew in here. Al Michaels is next door with yeah. Chris Collinsworth and they're talking to guys. And you've got every truck in the universe here from NBC television. And it's just it gives you the sense of the magnitude of the right. situation that you are going to play the premier team in the National Football League, a team that I, I can't even t- describe how many articles I've read about what's wrong with the Patriots, right. and they're 10-1. and one. <laughs> They're 10-1, and one, which leads me to my next point, and I'm sure you agree with this. Yeah. It doesn't matter who they've got, what they've got. We've yeah. seen it before. Up close and personal, week three, 2016. Oh, they're down to their third-string quarterback. Right. This should not be – look, I wasn't expecting a win that night, but I was expecting a very close performance at the very least and probably a win, and it didn't happen because they manufactured not a Not even close. Yeah, they found a way to beat you with Jacoby Brissett. So anybody looks at Brady's numbers, and I get it, they're not the same, yeah. or whatever else they have or don't have going on for themselves, they find a way to win. That's what they do. They do it way more often than not, and that's why they are who they are, and that's what their plan is on Sunday. Play great defense. Try to manufacture points somehow, maybe off turnovers. If you don't get the turnovers, matriculate the ball down the field. I think Brady has the ability to do that, this just in, and you're going to have to find a way to stop it. And it feels very 2001-ish mm-hmm. because that's the way the 2001 team was. That defense had McGinnis, mm-hmm. Pfeiffer, Brewski. Teddy J, mm-hmm. Ty Law, yeah, Ooh. Richard Seymour was uh, Seymour there yet? Uh, I think he was. I think Seymour was there. Uh, Vrabel, they got after it. And that team, we look back on it now and think, boy, that team was a whole lot better maybe than we thought at the time. Mm-hmm. But it was a team that was defensively oriented around you know Belichick and and Rack, mm-hmm. and the offense did enough. Right. Then in 2003, you started seeing some of the elements of, okay, the offense is starting to expand a little bit because yeah. Brady's been there a little bit. And then over the years, we've seen that offense be so, so good. It feels very 2001-ish where they've got the defense, the names that you recognize, maybe you don't appreciate, but the Hightowers, the Jamie Collinses, the Lawrence guys, Danny Shelton, you know, guys that maybe you don't recognize, but they fit very well together, and they're so smart. And all it takes is, and I was watching a little bit, I saw, I saw this on on uh, on the Twitters earlier today, there was a, a clip that somebody had posted, and it was Devin McCourty at safety. And it was against Cowboys. And so McCourty is kind of messing around with Dak Prescott. And so McCourty was going to play cover two. And so he backed, he backed up before Dak called Hutt. Dak then changes the play. McCourty realizes he changes the play, so he looks out to his left and he tells Gilmore, hey, Take take the deep half. All he's got to do is give him a look and then do this, just and just give him like a hand signal, and they'll switch spots. Gilmore so, will go to the safety spot essentially, and then McCourty would go out to the flat if it's a pass. Why? Because he sees something. Because he saw Dak change the play when he backed up, so he knew that Dak had checked to a run. Oh. So then he looks up to Gilmore. He's like, "Hey, go and, behind me." And better me than you to go stop it, says McCourty. Right. And McCourty went and made the tackle for no gain. There you and, go. and it's it's that kind of thing where you have this synergy because you've played together. McCordy and Gilmore have been together since 17, so now they can just look at each other like, hey, hey. You know, they know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Just a little simple hand. And, and that's the thing when it comes to continuity. I think when the NFL, when we see, and we talk about this a lot, the changes teams make. You know, this team went and got two, three free agents. This team went and got three, four free agents. These guys have draft picks. And this, 
But when you look up and you see Devin McCourty still there with Patrick Chung, still there with Gilmore, still there with Hightower, you realize those guys are not annual pro bowlers. They don't get right. the hype at certain positions. Like McCourty doesn't get the hype that Harrison Smith of the Vikings gets. You know, right. He doesn't get the hype that Earl Thomas gets. But Devin McCourty is as important to what the Patriots do as anybody because he gets everybody lined up. He knows where everybody's going to be. He knows what you're doing defensively. And he has been a thorn in the Texans' side ever since he took over in 2010, uh, 2011 when he moved to safety. That was the big move when he moved from corner. But it's just that continuity that makes it so difficult to beat them. But I got to think about something you said. Mm-hmm. It's about the mistakes. Last year, we start the game with a three and out. Mm-hmm. That three and out, get them off the field like, oh, okay. It's going to be a different game today. And then? And then what did we do? Punt and then fumble no, on the first snap. Fumble on the first snap. Yeah. They and, punted. And they punted and we, get a f- and we fumble on the first and snap. And then they get to Gronk in the end zone. And At least like, they don't have Gronk this time. It's seven to nothing before you blank. And then what did you lose and by? And you're uphill. You lose by seven. You lose by seven. But you're playing uphill the remainder of that right. game. That, that's something that cannot happen in this one. Now, back to the roster for a moment. You mentioned some of the names you know with the Patriots. And right. Some that are less familiar. I mean, look, you know my favorite page in the release is how the oh, whatever the team is I love this page. were built how yeah. the patriots were built how it's the texans were built now the texans do pretty well in this category which is when you look at the vast majority we talk about this from time to time regular listeners will know when you look at the majority of nfl teams the majority of players are from the last three years yes. of acquisition whether it yes. be free agent or draft and the last four at the outside okay but you go back to 2016 and earlier and the texans have 13 position players from that time maybe 12 when i get john weeks out of there mm-hmm. so 12 position players from 2016 or before right and that is an unusual number to be honest that's pretty high that's a very it's high, high. yeah it's because you have deandre high. hopkins and whitney merciless mm-hmm. and jonathan joseph and mckinney and, right. and brandon dunn who they acquired in 2015 for the first time but he's bounced around a little bit but anyway that's what you have there now, with the Patriots, 17, Johnny. I didn't even have to look. I know that leaves 17. 17 from 2016 or before. How about this? I'll go 2015 or before. That means all the rookies are cleaned out, right? Mm-hmm. The, the guys on their rookie deals. 2015 and before, they've got 11. 11. That is a ton because guys you mentioned, Devin McCourty, Nate Ebner, Matthew Slater, people oh. like that. Look, Slater, I think, is going to be a head coach in this league someday. I just, he has that gravitas about he him when you listen to, to him. Yeah. And that's a professional. And Bill O'Brien, we had him on the show. He called the Patriots special teamers, many of them, professional special teams players. Yep. And that's what they're trying to build here. A.J. Moore, Dylan Cole, mm-hmm. unfortunately, out for the season. But right. guys like that. And Cole's more than that. I get it. And Moore can play safety for you as well. But these guys are special right. teams demons. Right. And they know that that's the bulk of their job. Cole probably not a fair example of that. A little bit more expected from him as a position player. The point is this. They are loaded with guys who have been on that roster for a long time. And what happens is, and if they do that here, it's going to be great because what happens is you bring in new guys and you have enough guys who have been around long enough at all the levels, not just the star levels, but at all the levels where, oh, I got to watch him. I got to watch Matthew Slater and see how he's doing it. And maybe someday it'll be A.J. Moore here. I got to watch A.J. Moore and see how he's doing it. Buddy Howe, see how he's doing it. And that's the kind of thing they can create here. That's the kind of thing the Patriots have and a huge reason. Those things generate wins. Field position, special teams play, and even beyond special teams play. Guys who play their roles as position players. You know, it's interesting you bring it up about how they're built. Of those players, of the, the draft picks, very few of them are first-rounders. 
Yeah. Very few. McCourty's one, mm-hmm. obviously. Hightower's another. But other than that, and, and the thing is the Patriots didn't draft very high in the first round, as it were. They, right, they, so they even their first a lot rounders of time. are more like second rounders. Right, right. Uh, so I think they ended up getting McCourty at, I'm trying to think, he was in the 20s. Hightower was in the 20s. McCourty was the Kareem Jackson draft, as right. I recall. And the Texans right. could have had McCourty. Right. Jackson was not a bad pick. Right. I remember at the time that was kind of a, wait, you have Kareem Jackson there. And you had Kyle Wilson and Devin McCourty mm-hmm. and some of these other guys. And obviously, Kareem, way better pick than Kyle right. Wilson. And McCourty, you could argue, but Jackson just as good in his own way. So there you have it. How about this question? Okay, so here's one for mm-hmm. you. So McCourty is phenomenal right? in 2010 as a corner. Yep. Belichick moves him in 2011 to safety. So soon in his career. Do you think Belichick would have moved Kareem? Mm. I don't or know. Or I should put it this way. He would have moved Kareem, but when would he have done it? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I mean, the Texans did it a little bit later, right. of course. But I think they wanted to do it earlier. I think just not having the corner depth You have at to have points. the corner to yeah. replace him. They didn't even have it here last year the right. way they wanted it, right? right? Exactly. So they had to kind of push him back over and yeah. have him play both sides of the fence, if you will, and depending on the matchup and the game and who was available. So a lot of it depends on that, you know, who you have. I'm, I forget who their corners were in 11, 12, and all that, but they were good enough, weren't they? We saw we saw them a couple Ooh. of times in 2012, and they were really good. What do you remember about 2009? Uh, I remember being down two touchdowns in the fourth, and I remember how badly they needed that game. The Texans needed it to have a chance to make the postseason, and, and I, I just wanted the winning season as well. If nothing else today, let's drive. Like, I remember saying that when the Texans were 5-7 and seven that year. I said, give me – a drive to the stadium, like as I'm in my car on yep. my way to NRG, give me a chance to get into the postseason and a chance for a winning season. And that's what they yeah. got. Yeah. So there they are in the fourth quarter, down two touchdowns, and Arian Foster goes nuts. Schaub throws the ball well. The defense plays well. Bernard Pollard with a couple of big plays. Mario Williams. And they came out on top, and it was a great feeling at the time. And yeah. I remember just having that chance to make the postseason. Ultimately couldn't get it done that day. Couldn't get the help you needed. But it was, uh, it was at the time, an accomplishment to have your first winning season. Let's yeah. be honest. I mean, that was great. So that was the last time they beat them. And, look, we all know the other times, and you've talked about them, the 2017 game. And Is that the biggest? That's got to be the biggest gut yeah, punch loss. That, I never felt like it was in the bag, but I felt like, yeah. ooh. This is one of those you could get them, but the Patriots, the Saints this year, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know we don't have to, you know the Eagles last yeah. year, but but those two teams in particular, mm-hmm. you just feel like Breeze Brady, you have to. It's it's a horror movie. You have to kill them. You think they're dead, but oh, they're still alive. It is a horror movie. Like when the <sighs> villain, whether it's Jason in the lake or we'll pick your poison here, Freddy so, Krueger, whatever, they're still alive. So give you a little peek behind a curtain. Okay. You know this, but for listeners, they, they may not know this. So, obviously being down on the sidelines, I always get a player in the locker room mm-hmm. after the game. And it's they, usually Nathan will come over to me, Nathan Edwards, who's part of our PR group. He comes over to me usually late in the fourth quarter, and he asks me, who do you want to get in the locker room? And it can be kind of tricky because – Game's in doubt. Games, games are in doubt. You just don't know. Um, you know who, some guys don't like doing it. So mm-hmm. I try to take all that into account. So we're in we're in New England for that game, and he comes down to me like probably the player two before Brady fumbled. Marcus Gilchrist blitzes. Ooh. 
and knocks the ball out of Brady's hands. And the ball comes free, and we can't get it. Well, about two plays prior to that, he came over to me, and I just immediately, instinctively said, I want Clowney. Because remember that game, Clowney a sack. He had picked up the fumble and ran it back. I always like dealing with J.D. after games that they've won, and he's played well. He's, right. he, he, he's phenomenal. So I immediately tell him, Clowney. And so usually I will couch it. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I want to wait. I want to wait. Yeah. But this one I was sure about. I was like, I want Clowney. They come down and they score. And I'm just like. Not Clowney anymore. And I, 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 I don't know if you, you probably, you didn't hear this because you were calling it. I just remember almost falling to my knees and dropping my mic on the ground. Just like, I can't believe this just happened. I pick my mic back up. I look up. And right next to me is Nathan. He's yeah. standing there. Who do you goes, want now? Who do you, who do you want to have now? And I'm like. I don't even know, bro. I have no idea. Like I'm now, I'm stumped. I have no idea what I want to do, and finally, I'm like, Ryan Griffin. He's got a bunch of family here, and he had yeah. touchdown. Let's go with Ryan Griffin. And then I'm just praying, like, can somebody make a play to win this game? Because maybe I'll get Clowny back, and of course, it didn't happen. But now I've just gotten to a point where if it's close at the end, where they've been close, I'm like, Nathan, brother, I love you, but I can't talk to you right we gotta now. We got to wait till the I'll outcome. T- I'll tell you until we're totally done. But that was one. I was sure. Oh, yeah. I was sure. I told him plenty. I was like, they're not. I was like, they've got to go down and score a touchdown. We won't give up a touchdown. I just, I was sure. And I'd, I'd been to Gillette twice in 16. I had been there, but not enough to become like. Totally jaded like Yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll only believe this when I see I'll it sort of what, thing. I, give me a shot this year to go back. And I'll take oh, it. Yeah. I'll take that shot. I'll take that chance. It would be, it would be lovely to be able to get it done. To walk out of that stadium someday of with a win of any kind, not any preseason, kind. but of any kind other than preseason, would be so ecstatic, especially obviously knocking them out. Yeah. And that that year, week it was week three, right? Week three. Uh, that would have been great. But, you know, whatever. Look, here you have them in your building. And I think that, you know, we talk about the past a lot, but you haven't had them here since 2015. We've talked about not having Fuller and Watson together mm-hmm. potentially and all the other stuff. Uh, but I just like them here, and I like this version of the Patriots. Oh, by the way, I was going to text you yesterday because all these Patriots out with the flu and everything. I well, was like, I don't want this. this game to have a nickname. <laughs> we had Hasselbeck <laughs> in a diaper. I don't want it's Pats in diapers. <laughs> Patriots in Huggies. <laughs> I don't want Patriots in Pampers. I do not want the Patriots in Pampers no, game. I do not want that either, but I happen to think about that from a different perspective. So I was like, you know, I, I had this whole conversation in my head as I was running the other day, and I was like, oh, you know, they're going to be some cynics that are say, oh, you only beat the Texans because the Patriots had the flu and oh, they're like please. 10 guys out. I'm like, I don't care if every single one of those guys is out. Yeah, it I doesn't matter. If we get a win put, over them, I don't care. Put Steve Grogan under center. If yeah, we win, I don't care. that's fine with me. I don't me. care. <laughs> Just get it done. Mark, appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Coming up next, 13 NFL games remain this weekend. I will pick 12 of them. 12? Yeah, I don't pick the Texans Patriots. I will do that straight up and against the spread next on Texans All Access. It's time to dive right back into Texans All Access with my weekly NFL game predictions. That's right. Welcome back, everybody. I am John Harris, your host, football analyst, and sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And got the chance to spend the day just watching football on, on uh, Thursday. Oh, my goodness. Thursday football, Friday football, Saturday football, 
Sunday football, and of course Monday football. There's going to be a heck of a Monday night game this week. Vikings travel out to Seattle. So we got to predict all of them. I don't know how I did on the games on Wednesday that took place Thursday. The Bears won on the road. I had the Bears winning, the Cowboys winning, and the Saints winning. So straight up, I was 2-1. and one. I know I had the Saints covering, and I think the Saints covered. I don't believe, and I kept thinking Dallas was going to knock off Buffalo. I will tell you this. After watching Buffalo, my buddy Sal Capaccio is a salary reporter there, and so we've texted throughout the year. That team's legit. There are a lot of people taking shots at Buffalo this week on social media, a lot. And some people that I, I trust with football knowledge, that Buffalo team is good. Now, Dallas is a wreck, is a mess. But Buffalo's got a solid pass defense. Rundy, I think you can run on them. I don't think you could do that last year. But this year, I think you can run on them a little bit. But you're not going to have a ton of success. Josh Allen was a complete and total dude on Thursday. All this talk about Baker and Sam and, you know, even Josh Rosen. I mean, Josh Allen and Baker uh, – uh, Lamar Jackson turned out to be the two most ready pro quarterbacks right now. I mean, which you taking Baker Mayfield over Josh Allen right now? Josh Allen's been a dude. He made throws in that game. Wow, he made one throw coming out of his own end zone on the run to the right, about a 17 to 20 yard throw on a rope, split two Cowboy defenders and hit his receiver in stride for a first down. Just phenomenal, tremendous win for the Bills. So I know I definitely missed that one. Now. We've got plenty of games the rest of this weekend. I believe everybody's back off the bye. So we've got 13 games, actually 12, because I won't pick the Texans Patriots. Right now, the Patriots are a three-and-a-half-point favorite here at NRG Stadium. But we know how that thing goes. We've seen that happen before. Well, especially with the Patriots. They're always favored. And unfortunately, since 2009, they have always won. I don't know if I love that. But let's get into these games and let's start with, oh, my music. Maestro, please, give me your music. There it is. Let's start with the game of the day, Jets and Bengals. No, not really. It's in Cincinnati. Cincinnati will go back to Andy Dalton. That's right. The 0-11 Bengals are going to go back to their starter since 2011, Andy Dalton, knowing with Andy Dalton, they probably beat the Steelers. But Duck Hodges... Through that deep post touchdown to James Washington. The Steelers got the win that day. The Bengals are a three-point dog at home against the Jets. And the Jets have won three in a row. Don't look now. But the Jets, no, the Jets, eh, you never know. They, could they win the next five? No, that's not going to happen. They're, they've already played the Patriots twice. But I just don't think the Jets can get on that kind of run. Not not at this point. Now, they, they beat up Oakland pretty good. But they've scored 34 points in three straight weeks. The Jets are at Cincy, the Miami at home, at Baltimore. Home to Pittsburgh and then at Buffalo. So the streak will come to an end at some point. But it won't come to an end here. The Jets stay hot. They do not score 34. But they score enough to beat the Bengals and win by more than three. And then this one we'll keep an eye on throughout the afternoon on Sunday. The 6-5 Titans... And a hot Titans team. Six and five Colts. Kind of cold Colts team having lost three of four. In Indianapolis. Indianapolis is a two-point favorite. Which, I man, I don't know about that. Because no Marlon Mack. No T.Y. Hilton. No Eric Ebron for the Colts. That said, 
the Colts own the Titans. And I think they will do it again. I think the Colts get the 7-5. and five. I think it's very, very close. I mean, I'm, I'm worried about the two. But I think this is a three-point win for the Colts at home. So let's lay the two, pick the Colts to win this thing. Colts go to 7-5, and five, Titans fall to 6-6, six and six, and then the Titans have to go out to Oakland next week. Ooh, boy. Titans schedule down the stretch is not easy. Eagles go to the Dolphins. Eagles 5-6. and six. They need this one over the Dolphins. Let's make this easy. Philadelphia win this by two touchdowns. They're favored by 10, so Eagles to win and to cover that 10. The Packers, coming off that loss to the San Francisco 49ers, are 8-3. Giants are 2-9. and nine. The Giants are not very good. The Giants will play hard. It won't matter. The Packers are going to win this by a touchdown or more. They're favored by six and a half, so Packers to win and cover. I don't like road dogs. I'm sorry, road favorites, especially coming off a loss like the one they had last week, but I do think the Packers rebound, and they're going to win this thing by seven or more to take the Packers to win and to cover. The Browns. How about this? The Browns are five and six. The Steelers are six and five. They met a couple weeks ago. We know how that one went down. Everybody saw Miles Garrett swinging helmets and doing what he was doing. But Cleveland's favored by two on the road. Duck Hodges is going to get the start for the Steelers. I think the Steelers follow Hodges' lead and get a win. I It's an upset win because they're not favored. But I think the, te- the Steelers are going to get the win. So they'll get the win and the cover at home. This will be a raucous Steelers crowd. The Steelers are going to get the win. And the upset. Redskins take on the Panthers. I would tell you it's the Josh Norman Bowl. I think Josh Norman Bowl number four. But Norman's not even playing for the Redskins at this point. He has been benched. Carolina favored by 10. Kind of been a rough go for the Panthers. Last week should have won the ball game at first down and goal inside the five. And got nothing because Joey Sly missed a field goal. The Saints marched back down, kicked the field goal, and won that game 34-31. I do think playing at home. The Panthers will win this football game. The Redskins skill the I don't know. Dwayne Haskins, I'm not buying that. So take the Panthers to win. And let's cover that 10 with the Panthers at home. The Bucks go to the Jags. The Bucks are favored by two. The Jags are just a hot mess, if you want the God's honest truth. But Tampa Bay, you never know what to expect. Last week, Godwin and Evans go off, and they get a win over the Atlanta Falcons. That's the Falcons. Falcons defense has not been great. Even though they had a two-game run where they realized they were a completely different team. But the Buccaneers lit them up like a Christmas tree. I think the Buccaneers will light up the Jags. Now, here's the thing. If the Jags do have something, it's a pass rush, and they've got a secondary. The Buccaneers better find a way to run the ball on them or it's going to be tough. I'm talking myself into this. I think it is must-win for the Jags. I think the Jags are going to win this. Let's give the Jags a home upset over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then your game of the day. Outside of Patriots, Texans, of course. The 49ers and the Ravens. The 10-1 49ers, the 9-2 Baltimore Ravens will play this game at 1 o'clock Eastern. That's a 12, 11, 10 o'clock body clock game for the 49ers. Baltimore is favored by 5.5. I think Baltimore wins this and spanks the 49ers a good one. I think this is a two-touchdown win for the Ravens. This feels like 31-17. I do think the 49ers defense will slow Lamar a little bit, but not that much. I think the Ravens get a win. They'll cover that five and a half, and they keep on rolling in the AFC. Rams take on the Cardinals. The Rams are favored by just two and a half. Now, the Cardinals have always, for some reason, given the Rams issue. 
And the Rams' defense was a mess against the Ravens. Now, the Ravens have a way of doing that. Scored 37 against the Pats, 41 against us, and 45. They just keep escalating with the Ravens. I don't think the Ravens are going to score 49 against the Niners. But then again, crazier things are possible. I do think the Rams are going to win this by more than two and a half. It is desperation time for the Rams. I think the Cardinals are playing hard for Cliff Kingsbury. I think they put up numbers. They're now tapping into a little bit more of the innovation that is there. But I think the Rams are going to find a way to win this thing. It stays close for a while on into the fourth quarter. But the Rams get the win and cover that two and a half. Chargers v. Broncos. It appears it will be rookie Drew Locke starting for the Broncos. And the Chargers are favored by three as a result. I'm taking the Chargers to win. I think Locke will struggle this week on into next, hopefully, to be the Texans. I think the Chargers get the win and win it by more than three. The Raiders and Chiefs. One game separates them. The Raiders are 6-5. and five. The Chiefs are 7-4. and four. In the game earlier this year at Oakland, the Raiders blanked the Chiefs in three quarters. Unfortunately, they gave up 28 in the second quarter. I do think the Chiefs having Tyreek Hill back is huge. It does appear as if he's going to play. I do think the Chiefs are going to win. But the Raiders are going to make this closer than a 10-point spread. The Raiders stepped all over themselves in New York last week, uh, New Jersey, against the Jets. That will not happen again. Gruden will not allow that to happen in Kansas City. They will keep this thing close for a while. And I do think the Raiders will get inside the 10, but the Chiefs get the win. Sunday Night Football, Patriots-Texans. Patriots are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at this point. You know how I feel about that, Texans. I will always pick to win and to cover. Monday night, the Vikings travel to Seattle. Seattle is only a three-point favorite. These teams, one game in the standings, and that becomes important due to wild cards. Now, for the Vikings, they've got an opportunity to catch the Packers. They're right there on the Packers' heels. The Packers are 8-3. and three. The Vikings are 8-3. and three. But I believe the Packers have the tiebreaker due to the Packers' victory earlier this year in Lambeau, I believe. I believe that is right. They get the Seahawks out in Seattle. Now, Seattle missed Devion Clowney last week, and that seemed to have an impact for them. Not that much impact because they ended up holding the Eagles to three points. I think the Seahawks will win this game at home. They have been road warriors. I don't think they played as well at home. They've lost a couple games at home. Didn't play exceedingly well against Cincinnati. They didn't play well against the Rams, but caught a break when Greg Zerline missed a field goal at the end and give them a win against the Rams. But I don't think the Vikings can go in there and win. I don't think Kirk Cousins can keep it together against good defenses consistently. And I think that's what he runs into. A good defense. The Seahawks get the win and the cover. There you go. There are your predictions. Straight up and against the spread throughout the NFL. All right, we get back. It's time for our players segment. You have Arctic sponsoring our player reporter, and you've also got the final word with Drew Doherty. Turn it over to the players next right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. And this is the segment we turn over to the players. And in small part tonight, Drew Doherty as well. And you'll see what I'm talking about. But we got to kick it off, as we always do, with Player Reporter. Player Reporter brought to you by Arctic, the official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit RTICcoolers.com, Arctic Coolers, overbuilt, not overpriced. This week, and I always think about this, now I have the fortunate opportunity of 
seeing our players, those to me are those guys are celebrities. There's no question. So, in fact, I mean knowing them, not just meeting them, but it's always cool to see people you didn't expect to see, and celebrities at that. Well, Beastar TV. What was your most famous run-in with a celebrity? And we are back with another segment of B-Scar TV, and I'm here with a very, very special guest, Mr. Bradley Roby, a.k.a. Robe. Robe, how we feeling, brother? I'm feeling great, man. How you feeling? Oh, man, I'm better now that we have you on B-Scar TV. How we feeling, Ty? I'm feeling good, man. I'm just thankful to have you on the show, man. You vibing. You got the Rockets jersey on. Beard. Hey, man. Hey, Jane Harden, man, my favorite player. Man, you know how we coming. How long do you think it would take to get a beard like that, like like James? Uh, I think I got another year before I get a beard like that, man. He, he put some quality time in that beard, man, so I think I got a little while to go to catch up with him. What's the best or funniest celebrity celebrity encounter you've ever had? Uh, Michael Blackston, man. Um, funny, my African brother. Mm. That's a hard one. Next question. That is, that, is, that is a very tough question. Bradley is a, is a huge star himself, so it's hard to think back to somebody who's even bigger star than him. Regular people. they just regular people, that's all. Granted, you are a celebrity yourself. You are a star yourself, but an encounter with another star. I met Gucci at the Super Bowl, and um, it was at like an NFL Network event. He was dabbing everybody up, so I went to go say what's up to him. <laughs> and he just was like... <laughs> and kept him moving. Gotta say, DC on fly. Uh, he came out of homecoming one year, and uh, I had my friend, man, he's about 400 pounds, man. He's standing in the crowd, and we just sitting there, man. He laughing and stuff. DC on fly walked through the crowd and just come right up to him and just pick him out of everybody and just start joning him in front of everybody. I'm talking about, man, it's the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. Rome. It's been a pleasure having you, man, yeah, here in H-Town. Yeah, yeah. See, our people got in touch, and then we yeah. made this happen, man. Shout out to... But we're here. Limelight. B-Squad TV. Let's get it. And we're moving on. I was trying to think of my most famous celebrity i don't know i always think a fun question is what's the most famous person in your cell phone i always think that's kind of an interesting answer i guess most of mine ended up being texans in some way i guess probably coach o'brien that's probably andre Ware, heisman trophy winner i got a couple of Heisman. Trophy. i have brian bosworth in my phone that's he's i don't know those are all celebrities related to football but uh so be it go with it now a guy who's really good at football and was good at football at eastern washington found his way into the nfl and has been there for almost a decade and that's taiwan jones Drew Doherty did a Drew's Dirty Dozen with Taiwan Jones. This is fun. Take a listen. Pizza or burgers? Pizza. What's on the pizza? The perfect pizza. Pepperoni pizza with green bell peppers. Green bell peppers? Nothing else besides that and pepperoni? I got to have my ranch dipping sauce. For the crust or for everything? For everything. It's Thanksgiving week. What is the perfect plate and then your desserts afterwards? Because you don't want to mingle the two. Fried turkey. Fried turkey, all right. Deep fried turkey, macaroni and cheese, dressing, greens. Yeah, as long as I got those, I'm good. You're set. Okay, and what's for dessert afterwards? For dessert, peach cobbler with vanilla ice cream or sweet potato pie. Not and sweet potato pie? Uh, Yeah, when I'm feeling good, yeah. All right, so do you get to eat like that 
this week during a season, or is that like kind of another time? I'm definitely eating like that. Tomorrow. Good. I'm yes. glad to hear that. Yes, sir. Switching gears, who's your favorite retired NFL player? You got to be out of Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, or Deion Sanders. Jim Brown is kind of a throwback. That's interesting. Like, that's my dad. He said that's the greatest football player of all time. Yeah. How, why do you choose that? Well, you know, what do you know about him? I grew up watching a lot of his highlights just from, like, my dad or my peers or Darren McFadden. He showed me some clips of him before when I played with him. I watched some of his movies, even though, you know, he wasn't the greatest actor. But <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it was pretty pretty cool to watch him, man. I always appreciate what he st- stood up for. It's pretty sweet in the Dirty Dozen, right? Yes, sir. All right. Were you a Niners or a, an Oakland Raiders guy growing up in Northern California? So I actually grew up a Niners fan. Where I'm from is literally right across the street from the old Niners stadium. My mom, she lived on 3rd Street in Palu. So when I was younger, I got to see some of the parades and watch them drive past. So I grew up originally a Niners fan, and of course that changed. All right, so you know about all that stuff. Favorite TV show as a kid when you were growing up? Favorite TV show, I like the Rugrats, Tom and Jerry, Ninja Turtles, of course. Favorite Ninja Turtle was? Donatello. What's your favorite TV show now? My favorite TV show now, Game of Thrones. Big Game of Thrones fan. Yeah, are you bummed by the ending? I am. Yeah. I, I I was I had high hopes for the ending, and it kind of disappointed me a little. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. I still haven't seen it. I'm one of those weirdos that's not seen it. Yeah. I was pretty good. I, I was a little weary of getting into it, but once I started watching it, I couldn't stop. That's what I've heard. Enough people that I trust have loved it, so I think I'm going to check it out someday. All right, do you have a go-to karaoke song? A go-to karaoke song? I don't. You know, I, I always thought that I, I wouldn't like karaoke until I went for my first time, and I they couldn't take the mic from me. So. <laughs> what were you singing? Uh, just whatever was on the board. Yeah. All right, you just were up for a good time and singing. And, yeah. yeah, I like it. All right, what animal scares you? What animal scares me? Raccoons are pretty sneaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you never know where they've been and yeah. the stuff they've been eating and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't blame you. What's the first job you ever had? The first job I ever had, it was on a farm, actually. Um, it was in college. It was one of my summer jobs, and I'll never forget it. They wake me up early in the morning, about 4 in the morning, drive me out to the middle of nowhere. They open this big fence, and it was like a 100 of cows and bulls. And they was like, all right, just don't let them get past you. And I'm looking at them like, I'm scared. How am I going <laughs> to, like, keep these from getting past me and they're like oh just scare them get big make noise and I already got a small voice and so I'm trying to scare <laughs> them when I'm more terrified than them but um it was working on a farm it was helped them uh rounding up cattle uh, I think so they can brand them and also tarpon hay where was this farm it was somewhere out in eastern Washington eastern Washington okay because yeah. that's where you yeah you went went mm-hmm. to eastern Washington wow the way you started that they woke me up they drove me in the middle of nowhere and they opened a fence and said, don't let the kid. That sounds like a, a form of torture, maybe a, a futuristic movie like The Running Man that Schwarzenegger was in. I was worried where you were taking that, man. Yeah. I, I think they got a good kick out of watching me uh, be very terrified out there. Yeah. All right. That's the first job you ever had. Is that the worst job you've ever had? No, it actually wasn't that bad. Yeah. Do you have a worst job ever? No, nah, I, I don't. All right. That's, yeah. that's a good diplomatic answer. You're not going to throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> Who is the first person... That's not a teammate or coach that you talk with after a game. My brother. Yeah. Probably one of my one of my younger brothers. Okay. Yeah. How many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, I got six brothers and one sister. Holy cow! Yeah. Wow. Yep. So which one is this? Which younger brother is this? The one you talk to? He's uh, the next under me. 
he sends me a video every day. I can always count on seeing uh, his, his his video of encouragement before the game, and I usually always reply to it once I get to the locker room. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool to, to hear. So where are you guys in the pecking order of oldest to youngest? I'm the second oldest. Uh, I have an older brother that's 30, a brother that I usually talk to. He's 27, 26, a brother that's 22, 21. I don't know where everybody is. Wow, that's a big family, man. That's yeah. a big family. What is your favorite football movie of all time? Remember the Titans. What's your best football trait? My best football trait? Uh, I'm fast. What's the last thing that you cooked? <laughs> the last time I cooked was about three years ago, and I cooked some steak, lobster, and sauteed spinach, and it was for Mother's Day. Not bad. So it's been three years? Just about, yeah. Oh, man. Do you have a plan to, like, when you're going to cook next, or are you going to try to put that off as long as you can? I'm, I'm trying to put it off as long as I can. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Taiwan Jones, thanks so much. This has been the Dirty Dozen. Well, Taiwan is really fun to have around this building. And one Tuesday, I think it was, I was coming out of the studio. I just recorded Texans Replay. I was coming out of the studio, and I was going down to go get uh, lunch out of the cafeteria. And as I do, I turn the corner. And I see this enormous dog, enormous, I mean huge dog, walking the service level. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, huge. And as I get closer, I can tell, or at least I think it's a pit bull. And I get a little closer, and, and I see Taiwan. And I was like, Taiwan, is the first question I always ask with dogs, is he friendly? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's very friendly. And he let me pet him, and I mean, I'm talking, this dog was muscled up and he was so sweet i mean so so sweet but this dog had to go 180 200 pounds i mean just massive dog and i said how many dogs do you have he's oh i don't know a couple dozen i was like no way he goes yeah back at home on his ranch he's got um he's got like 20 something dogs and they're all bullies as he called them. not like bullying not like a you know pit bull but a a style of pit bull called a bully, and just a sweet, sweet dog. So I'm a huge dog fan, so that was really cool to have Taiwan Jones come in, talk about his dogs, and talk about other great things with Drew's Dirty Dozen. Now, we'll stick with Drew for the final word with Drew Doherty, and this week it goes to Jordan Aikens, tight end, in his second year, now facing the Patriots. Drew, take it away. Thank you very much. We've got tight end Jordan Aikens with us. And Jordan, a big challenge awaits in the New England Patriots. This defense is rather salty. It's playing at an historic level. What's the big challenge you see from that front seven when you look at them on paper? Very disciplined. You know, they come to play. They play every down. So, you know, there's no plays off. Very fundamentally sound. Um, they have some athletes. And, you know, we're just going to have to bring our A game. What do you think of that secondary? The guy who gets kind of the lion's share of the attention these days is Stephon Gilmore, and he's likely going to cover a receiver. But the rest of those guys can still make some plays, can't they? Right, yeah, definitely can make some plays. You have Chong, you have, you know, a couple other players as well as some cover, t- cover linebackers. So, you know, everyone's have to win their match. If they play zone, you know, you just do your job, play man, you know, when you're out. Every year is different. Every team within that year is different. You, however, played against this team very, very early last season. What's the difference looking at them now on film versus a year or so ago? Really, when that's one of your first games as an NFL player, right? Right. I would say now that I'm just more aware 
of my surroundings, more aware of my assignment, you know, last year, you know, just coming in, it's kind of like just being thrown in the wildfire and, you know, just kind of trying to pick up with the tempo of the game and the speed of the game. So now, you know, I'm well aware, a lot better in coverages and, you know, they can get, they're going to get my best. One of the things you talked about with us during the off season, one of the goals you had was getting a little bit bigger, bulking up, so to speak. How much did you get to do of that this off season and how much has that paid off for you so far this year? I did a lot. I definitely, like, gained a little weight, but it was muscle, Mm -hmm. and it got a lot stronger. It shows on the field, you know, um, breaking tackles as well as blocking, and I feel a lot more comfortable with my hand in the dirt. You and Darren Fells have been a nice one-two punch this year. Over 500 yards, 50 receptions, you're, you're moving the chains, eight touchdowns between the two of you. What's it been like being that big a part of an offense this year? You know, it's just a blessing. I say it as an honor just to come in, you know, and work work so hard last year, you know. To not get in the end zone, it made me even hungrier. So, you know, the off season, just grinding and, you know, getting into my playbook and just building that trust with Deshaun. It definitely is paying off and to be playing with a great vet beside me and, you know, he definitely taught me a lot. So starting to pay off and you're trying to keep this train going. You bring up building trust with Deshaun. How do you go about doing that? Just being in the right spot at the right time. Certain certain ways he wants you to run around, certain um, spots he expects you to be in. He expects you to be an athlete as well, you know, if you have to convert. So just being on that one accord, and I would say repetition, repetition and watching film together and building the bond off the field as well. Being an athlete as well is something you just said, and that's that's a, a trait that everybody in that tight ends room can, can hang their hat on, is it not? I mean, you're a former professional baseball player. Fells played professional basketball. Jordan Thomas is enormous and can do yeah. just so many different things. Kahali Waring, you know, you get to keep go on and on and on and on. What's that tight ends room like now? Jordan Thomas has gotten added to the 53. That's I mean, right. that's that's got to be an exciting time for all of you guys, uh, right? You know, definitely coming in, get some fresh legs. He brings a, something different. All of us bring something different to the table, but it brings us together as one. We, um, we're on one accord, you know, always ready to go out and make plays. And that room is incredible. You know, you got to come to work every day. You got to come to camp every year, and you never know where you're going to be. Who's ever active, we just know they're going to get the job done. I know it's only year two for you as an NFL professional, but you've played professional sports now for six years. Do you and Fells kind of have a good chuckle sometimes in the, in the room there when Thomas and, and Waring and some of the other guys uh, all, speak up? All the time. <laughs> all the time, man. Um, it's a lot of life in that room. Yeah. It doesn't matter what situation you're going through, you know, in life or whatever. You know, it, it's a strong brotherhood in that room, and uh, we pick each other up, and, of course, we bust each other uh, a lot. Um, we test each other a lot. You know, right. we, we just want to see where we are, you know, who's at their best and who's at, you know, we're, we're trying to get on – Fails level, you know, uh, just be able to break down fronts, the whole nine. So we definitely make each other better. Iron sharpening iron, right? Definitely. Well, last thing, you get to play in front of the home crowd yet again, and it's the second of three straight home games. How nice was it, A, to be back in front of the NRG Stadium crowd last week, and how nice is it just to have that bit of a stretch where you're here? It's wonderful just to bring it back to Houston and, you know, to be on the field that we're familiar with and the crowd that we're familiar with. And, you know, it's just great to put on for, you know, your home team and, some reason, you know, you seem to go harder and you give it, you know, you just give it your all. Being here, you know, family comes in. Oh, we get to see, spend time with our family. You know, I have a daughter. Houston is just a great city, man. You know, love putting on for the city. All right. Well, we'd love to see you guys pick up a win on Sunday night. Best of luck against the Patriots. Best of luck the rest of the season, Jordan Akins. Appreciate that. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. That'll do it, folks. A big show. A big thanks to everybody who participated. Big thanks to you guys for listening. We will see you on Sunday to go get this W over the New England Patriots. Have a great weekend, and go Texans.